Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching a special message, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. I love illustrations. I love to collect uh, illustrations and stories and, and just various things. And I, I honestly, I think I have thousands of them. And, uh, but uh, the one I'm going to read you uh, this morning has got to be my favorite. Now, if you attend Calvary Chapel, I just read this like a couple of weeks ago. So uh, laugh anyway. All right. And, and uh but, but, but listen, I trust that on your way in, did you, guys receive, did you guys receive a bulletin this morning when you came in? Did we give out bulletins? Did we? Okay, good. I told y'all I just work here. I don't know what goes on. And um, so I trust you received a bulletin on your way in. And listen, sometimes people uh, make mistakes. Mistakes are made in those bulletins. And we call those uh, bulletin bloopers. Bulletin bloopers. Here are some real, actual bulletin bloopers taken from various bulletins around the country. Bertha Belch, a a missionary from Africa, will be speaking tonight at Calvary Methodist. Come here, Bertha Belch, all the way from Africa. (laughs) National Prayer and Fasting Conference. The cost for attending the conference, the fasting and prayer conference, includes meals. Amen. You'll get that on the way home. The sermon title this morning, Jesus Walks on Water. The sermon title tonight, Searching for Jesus. The youth basketball team is back in action Wednesday at 8 p.m. Come out and watch us kill Christ the King. Ladies rummage sale, a chance to get rid of all those things not worth keeping around the house. Don't forget your husband's. The peacemaking meeting scheduled for today has been canceled due to a conflict. Peace, conflict. Remember in prayer the many who are sick of our community. Amen. Smile at someone who is hard to love. Say hell to someone who doesn't care much about you. These are actual. I'm not making these up. Don't let worry kill you off. Let the church help. Miss Charlene Mason saying, I will not pass this way again, giving obvious pleasure to the congregation. Barbara remains in the hospital with serious complications. She is also having trouble sleeping and requests the pastor's teaching sermons. I don't like that one. A bean supper will be held Tuesday evening in the church hall. Music will follow. At the evening service tonight, the sermon topic will be, what is hell? Come early and listen to our choir practice. (laughs) Potluck supper 
Sunday at 5 p.m., prayer and medication to follow. Medication. This evening at 7 p.m., there will be a hymn sing in the park across the street from the church. Bring a blanket and come prepared to sin. That will be sing. Ladies' Bible study will be held Thursday morning at 10 a.m. All ladies are invited to lunch in the fellowship hall after the BS is done. Bible study. Low self-esteem support group will meet Thursday at 7 p.m. Please use the back doors. Weight Watchers will meet at 7 p.m. at the First Presbyterian Church. Please use the double doors at the side entrance. The associate minister, lastly, the associate minister unveiled this church new tithing campaign slogan last Sunday, I up my pledge, up yours. Before we get going this morning, let me not, I almost forgot this, let me not forget, I want to give a big shout out to all those who are involved in helping to put this wonderful event together. I want y'all to clap your hands and say thank you. The men and the women who worked so hard to set up the lighting and the crew and the sound and the stage decorations and the choir and the children's ministry and the servants and, of course, Pastor Matt and the worship team. Y'all come on, clap your hands one more again. Will you do that? And you, we're excited that you're here this Easter morning. I don't know about you, but I love spring. Who doesn't? The warm weather. The flowers begin to bloom, the yards start turning green, pollen and allergies flare up. Spring is wonderful. Of course, everybody is buying chocolate bunnies. Did you know that there was spent this year $936 million on Easter candy alone? $300 million marshmallow chicks. 55 million chocolate bunnies, $1.3 billion on jelly beans. Department stores love Easter, don't they? So they can jack up the prices. You know, I'll tell you, and you know what it tells me? It tells me that we've lost the real meaning of Easter. We have turned Easter into holiday business. Easter, and maybe somebody will agree with this, Easter is about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Am I right about it? Easter is about the story of Jesus Christ who died for the sins of men. Easter is about Jesus who is risen from the grave. Simply, Easter is about his story, the story of Jesus. That's what I want to talk to you about this morning, his story. You know, most stories begin with a child is born. But did you know that Jesus' story begins before he was born? Jesus' story begins at the beginning of time. I think of John chapter 1, verse 1. It tells us, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then in verse 14 of the same chapter, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Listen, Jesus has many names in the Bible, and one of them is the Word of God. The Bible says the Word, or Jesus, became flesh. The idea of became flesh means that he took on humanity. The word, Jesus, didn't become philosophy. 
The word Jesus didn't become a creed or a concept. The word became flesh and dwelt among us on Christmas morning. 2,000 years ago, baby Jesus came into the world as a cute little baby. And yet he, just, he wasn't just any baby. This is the God baby. He was God in the flesh, born of a virgin woman. This baby framed the entire world and created everything. This baby created time and space and energy and all matter. He was born of a woman, but he was also created that woman that he was born of. Mary. Think about it. He created the tree from which the stable was made of. He created the gravitational force that held down the stable and the manger. He created every aspect of the physical world, and then he chose to enter it as a baby in a town called Bethlehem. Now, Luke chapter 2, verse 40 tells us, And the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. So the Bible tells us that Jesus grew up. And he was raised in Nazareth. Nazareth was a quiet, insignificant village in Galilee in the country. Jesus was, if you will, a country boy. In Nazareth, Jesus learned to walk and to run and to pick up things and to put down things. And as a baby, he had baby knowledge. And as a toddler, he had toddler knowledge. He grew and he went to the village school in the synagogue. He was a perfect baby and a perfect boy, and a perfect youth, and then a perfect man. He didn't come into the world already full of wisdom. The Bible tells us he grew in wisdom, and God's Spirit was upon him. Now, parents, listen. You know what strikes me there is that Jesus grew. Parents, you know, don't they grow fast? They grow quick. It's almost like you buy them a pair of sneakers this week, and next week they've grown. They need a new pair of sneaks. By the next weekend, you need to buy them something new because they grow. Jesus grew from babyhood to boyhood, from boyhood to bar mitzvah, from bar mitzvah to manhood. Now, John chapter 18 and verse 9 and chapter 19, the Bible tells us that Jesus, as a man, was in the garden praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, and 600 Roman soldiers came to arrest Jesus, and Judas identified him with a kiss. You know that. And then the Bible tells us that, that, that Judas identified him with a kiss, which tells us, watch this, that Jesus didn't stand out in the crowd. Do you understand, if Jesus was in a vast audience like this, you would never know it, because he looked like everybody else. You know, Jesus didn't wear a long, flowing robe. Jesus didn't have a halo on his head. Jesus didn't walk around with stereo music playing like Hollywood. You know, they show Jesus and he, there's always lights on his eyes and there's always music following him. He was a normal man. He, he was a normal guy. You wouldn't be able to pick him out in the crowd. He was completely physical and normal in a crowd. Like this this morning, you wouldn't know you were sitting right next to him. He was unassuming. And then the Bible says they took Jesus and they stripped him of his clothes and they put a scarlet robe on him. And then they twisted a crown of thorns and they jammed it on his head. And then Matthew 27, 29 tells us they put a reed in his hand as a mock scepter and they bowed before him in mockery and they spat in his face. Imagine spitting 
in Jesus' face. Imagine spit running down the face of God. And at this point, Jesus has been beaten and punched and slapped and spit on. He's standing there blood streaming. Are y'all following me? He's standing there blood streaming down his face. He's He's disfigured, blood rushing down his back. Pilate brings Jesus before the people wearing the crown and the robe and said, behold the man. And the mob mentality So they began to chant, crucify him. So Pilate hands Jesus over to be crucified, although he knows he's innocent. Now, if you've been with us this week, you know we've been talking a lot about crucifixion. We've been talking a lot about the cross. And I think that today, in today's culture, we think of the cross, we think of bling bling. When we think of the cross, we think of, you know, something that hangs around your neck. Or we think of a rapper that's got this really huge cross around his neck and all these diamonds and rubies are in the cross. This is what we think of today. But listen, the Bible teaches the cross that Jesus hung on, it wasn't pretty. The cross represents shame. It was not something to hang around your neck and boast about how much paper you have. Paper means money. Are y'all with me? Some of y'all like paper. What did he mean, paper? You mean the newspaper? No, paper meaning money. The cross is not something you brag about how much money you have. It was something that a criminal would hang on. Crucifixion was a horrible, gruesome form of capital punishment. There is no more horrible death than death by crucifixion. We need to understand that everything that's happening to Jesus, God is in control. Somebody say amen. Everything. I'll wait while you clap. Everything that is happening to Jesus is carefully planned and predicted and prophesied in Scripture. Jesus' death on the cross was no accident or misfortune. Listen, Jesus willingly, voluntarily, of his own accord, went to the cross. Nobody killed Jesus. Are y'all listening to me? Nobody killed Jesus. You know the big question, well, who killed Jesus? I want to say some years ago there was a, a, a movie or a, something on one of those TV channels. And who killed Jesus? Listen, nobody killed Jesus. And people say, well, the Romans killed him. Well, the Jews killed him. Well the, well, the Gentiles killed him. Listen, the Bible says that Jesus willingly went to the cross. John chapter 10, verse 17. Therefore, my father loves me because I lay down my life that I might take it up again. And no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. And I have power to lay it down. And I have power to take it up. You see, this was God's plan from the beginning of time. It was God's plan that Jesus come to the earth and be crucified by the hate of men. I told you that God works his purpose through holy men and sinful men. At the cross, in the hands of hateful men, God is performing his plan and his will. Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by who, saints? God and afflicted. So on Good Friday, Jesus is beaten, bloodied, and forced to carry a 200-pound cross up the Via Dolorosa to Calvary's Hill to the place of the skull. And while hanging there on the cross, there's two thieves, one on the left and one on the right. Jesus is hanging between two thieves who are condemned. 
These men weren't just petty thieves or common robbers. These were men who were sentenced to die by crucifixion. These men were, 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 were rapists even, and, and they stole, and sometimes they killed. They were the worst of the worst. And one criminal, you know the story, don't you? Looks over at Jesus and says, if you were God, then save yourself and us. And the other looked at Jesus and said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. You know, that's always been fascinating to me. Two thieves in the same situation with the same circumstances. Both thieves, both are thieves. Both have the same charges against them. Both started with the same sentence, death by crucifixion. Both were nailed to the cross. Both of them started out mocking Jesus. And neither of them can do any good works to pay their debt. Both are hanging equal distance from eternity. Both started the day with the same destiny. And by the end of the day, one of them is in paradise and one of them is in hell. But under the same circumstances, listen, you have two totally different responses. One thief says, save yourself and get us down. The other says, Lord, remember me and take me up when you come into your kingdom. Same circumstances, same condemnation, two different responses. You know, somebody once said, the same sun that softens the wax hardens the clay. In other words, the Holy Spirit or Jesus or the Word of God has a different effect upon our hearts depending on how we respond to it. You know, I see it all the time in church. I see it happening right now. Two people are hearing the same sermon. We're all, listen to me, we're all hearing the same sermon. We all sang the same songs. We all worship to the same music. We all had the same worship experience. One person leaves saying, wow, Pastor Rodney preached that sermon. And they would be right. Amen. And the other was, would, would, would leave completely unaffected. Interesting. One is moved and one is completely unaffected. Very interesting. Some right next to them is completely unaffected. It happens all the time. One last thing, listen. The difference between Jesus and the two thieves, they hung there for crimes they committed. Jesus hung on the, on the cross for crimes of humanity. They were there against their will. Jesus was there because he willingly went. They could not escape the cross. Jesus could have escaped with just one word from his mouth. They were held on the cross by nails in their hand. Jesus was held on the cross by love in his heart for all men. Y'all come on, clap your hands and say amen. Well, while he's hanging on the cross, we're talking about his story. Matthew 27, 45 tells us, for three hours, Jesus hung there from 12 to 3 p.m. There was complete darkness over the land. Jesus breaks the silence and says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Or Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. And then he said, I thirst. And then he said, it is finished. And then he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And then he died. Jesus is hanging there on the cross. And Joseph asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Mark chapter 16 tells us Pilate gave the body to jo to, of Jesus to Joseph. So Nicodemus and Joseph take the body of Jesus down from the cross. And listen, this was no small task. This was no small task taking that body down. Someone had to pull the first nail out. Are you with me? 
And, and someone had to pull the second nail out. And then they had to hold up the body and take the spike out of his feet. At this point, they're covered in blood. And they were determined and defiant to take Jesus down. Getting someone down from the cross wasn't easy. You had to be determined and defiant. And might I say to you today, following God, you have to be determined and be defiant. Well, get the scene. They're asking Jesus. They're taking Jesus down slowly and with dignity and with love. And they gently laid his dead body on the ground. And they prepared the body. And they washed the hair that was matted with blood. And they had to remove the crown of thorns that sometimes broke off in his head. And they had to wash the spit that was left over on his face and roll him over and wash his back that was shredded from the scourging. And Jesus is no longer in the hands of hateful men. Now the father has committed his son into the hands of loving and caring men. Joseph had purchased a new tomb for his family in a beautiful garden. Listen, I believe that God had Joseph purchase that tomb for his family because God knew that Jesus would need it. Of course, he only needed it for the weekend, but he needed it. It was a rental. He needed it. Interesting. From a virgin womb to a virgin tomb. Matthew 27 tells us they laid Jesus in Joseph's new tomb and Pilate sets a guard at the tomb. Very interesting. They laid him in the tomb and they sealed it and a Roman guard was placed at the tomb to guard it. Isn't it interesting that Roman guards are guarding a dead man? Turn with me to John chapter 20. Look at verse 1. If you're looking at verse 1, say Amen. Amen. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early and while it was still dark and they saw the stone had been taken away from the, from the tomb. And then she ran and she came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've laid him. And Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb. And so they both ran together. And the other disciple outran Peter. Now remember, John was writing this. So John wants us to know that he runs faster than Peter. Outran Peter and came to the tomb first. Well, he stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying there, and yet he had not, not gone in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen clothes lying there, and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but folded together in a place by itself. And then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also, and he saw and he believed. For as yet they did not know the scriptures that he must rise again from the dead. And then, verse 10, the disciples went away again to their own homes. Notice the Bible. Stop right there. Give me your attention. Notice the Bible tells us now, early in the morning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to the tomb. And they found, as you put the scriptures together, they found a two and a half ton, eight feet high, 12 inch thick stone that was rolled away that usually takes 20 men to roll that stone. And the stone, listen, was rolled away and Jesus had already walked out of the tomb. Now the stone was not rolled away so that Jesus could get out. 
The stone was rolled away so the women and the disciples could look in and see that he is risen. The stone was rolled away because God knew in ages to come that man would question whether he really rose up out of that tomb. Listen, I've been to Israel probably 17 or 18 times now, and each time we go, we go to the tomb and we look in there. And I can tell you, I've seen it with my own eyes, there's nobody in that tomb. That tomb is empty. Jesus rose from the grave. Somebody clap your hands and say amen. He rose from that, from that, from that tomb. So then the question is, why did he do it? Why did Jesus die? Why did Jesus rise? Well, for many reasons. One, Jesus died to offer men the forgiveness of sins. Jesus died to bring us into fellowship with him because our sin broke fellowship. You see, the Bible teaches when you were born in the world, you were born D-O-A, dead on arrival. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the media library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.